1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. we we'll
2: chat with Britt Hubs in a matter of minutes with BallQuest.com with the very latest on the Tennessee Volunteers and the NCAA issuing their notice of allegations uh, involving the investigation of the Jerry Pruitt era of Tennessee football and the money spent on recruits and players and the violations there and the impact it could have on the program moving forward and what it means for Jeremy Pruitt. That's all coming up with Brent Hubbs momentarily. This from Andrew Brandt, former Packers um, executive within the front office, former agent as well. But the only real revenue stream we get to see from the NFL individually are the Green Bay Packers because of the fact that it's publicly traded, you can buy stock in them, and therefore they are an open book with their revenue. Here's his tweet, Paul. The Packers report a total revenue of five hundred and seventy-nine million. Of that amount, three hundred forty-seven is national revenue, two hundred and thirty-two million is local revenue. And then he says yes, record numbers in all categories. So they continue to rise and this is even before we see that new money come in with these billion dollar 10-year agreements that are coming up for the, the NFL and their media rights.
1: Well, you would think that 347 national revenue is, would be everybody's number. Yeah,
2: and that's the split for TV, TV and, and other things. Yeah. Um, and then the 232 would be tickets, merch, and...
1: Local sponsorship. Parking
2: and anything else like that, right? Yeah,
1: local sponsorship.
2: But uh, today is their financial day, as they call it. Um, yeah, all Green those Bay.
1: stockholders getting their, open up, their up the payout. books
2: open up the books um, uh, speaking of the NFL they have been overwhelmed that was the report they opened up ticket sales in Germany and they had so many people on the server trying to buy tickets that they could not keep up with it and this is they were already anticipating a, a major influx of people trying to buy tickets and they, they, even they could not predict what it was going to be
1: like Well, I hope for the sake of the German fans, they're not using this dynamic pricing that Springsteen is using, which we're going to talk about next week, which basically, uh, based on the people in the room, sets the price based on the demand.
2: They, uh, I I doubt you had 770,000 people in the room simultaneously. That's what they're claiming happened. I've pulled up the report now just to see exactly how many people. Over nearly 800,000 individual servers logged on attempting to purchase tickets and of course well, that's
1: why it busted you have to do a pre-verification in the instance that I'm talking about so it limits yeah. how many people can try to get in there but still
2: they were uh, 70,000 70, seats in the stadium
1: it's time for America to fix its ticket problems and American entities to do the same
2: yeah well, unfortunately Ticketmaster is running it you know with a The surcharge prices is what? Fees. Well, there's this
1: one thing I can never remember what it's called because it doesn't have tickets in the thing, but they run a lot of commercials. The woman saying how much cheaper her ticket was than the guy sitting next to her. Yeah. I've I've tried to look at this app for last-minute tickets, you know, because that's its thing. You know, it gets prices way down because people are running out of, uh, you know, patience and options or whatever. Yeah, the ticket price is great. The fees are, match the ticket prices. The fees, yes. in some cases, are more than the ticket prices. It's complete BS.
2: Um, so due to the high demand, this is from Pro Football Talk, the resale price of these Germany tickets, by the way, the game will be played this year, is Tampa Bay-Seattle. So you could get Brady in his final year playing the first game there in Germany uh, with for him. You've got a resale value as high as... Thirty-three thousand seven hundred sixty dollars. I
1: mean, come on.
2: Now you know that can be the highest ticket that someone just put on a site just to you know throw it out
1: there. You're not going to get it, right?
2: Uh, tickets originally went on sale Monday with the top range at under two hundred dollars. That's the top to face. get in face value, and then those sold out. And now you've got the resale market.
1: Resell ticket market people. It's very very unreasoned. least
2: expensive ticket. According to StubHub, $575 to get in the game in Germany.
1: I mean, I could see paying that to see Tom Brady, but how big the stadium? What are the sight lines like, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, it's that got, matters. It matters.
2: Yeah. 70,000. I mean, sight lines for 70,000, generally speaking, they're about the same, give or take uh, dimensions of how steep the upper deck goes. But
1: Well, I'm presuming, uh, what city is it? Munich? Munich. You know... Uh, They're using the st- soccer stadium. Yeah. I, I should know this, but the, if it has a track around it, sightlines stink. It does not... Is it Bayern? Yeah.
2: It is Bayern. Uh, now we, we head to Knoxville. Brent Hubbs with us, VolQuest.com. Uh, plenty to discuss uh, today on this Friday edition where the NCAA has the, finally, has the notice of allegations out about the investigation involving uh, Jeremy Pruitt in the volunteer football program at the time, Brent, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. Hope y'all are doing all right. Yes. Uh, so the violations, 18 of them, per the NCA in this 52-page report. I mentioned earlier in the show um, that you were coming on um, simply because I said there's no way we're going to be able to scan through a 52-page report in this tweet uh, with any ease. There, there are 18 violations. $60,000 of cash and or gifts given to football recruits, players, or family uh, through Jeremy Pruitt or his wife. It, do I have the details right? And and what what to you is the biggest of the news that came out today in regards to this notice of allegations for Jeremy Pruitt?
3: Well, I think two things. One, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt's going to get a show calls, as we thought, because his wife's involved in this. and. Uh, He's in many of those 18 level one violations. Uh, There are over 200 individual violations, but 18 level one violations, which encompass uh, multiple people involved in that, 12 staff members, which includes recruiting staff members. Derek Ansley's mentioned, uh, Shelton Felton, Brian Niedermeyer, all mentioned involved in um, either arranging uh, visits where guys were paid for the visit Or distributing money themselves, or or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think from the university standpoint, two things stand out. One, there's no lack of institutional control allegation against the university, which is a a big step. Um, I don't think Tennessee expected there to be one, but you never know with those situations, there's not one. Two, in that 52 pages, there's about a page and a half where the letter of the notice of allegations praises. Uh, the University of Tennessee, for the way they went about the investigative process. The fact that they didn't just look at the initial allegation and say, okay, that's it. They continued to dig. They found more allegations, and they got to the bottom of it. They saved the NCAA a ton of work, as we've talked about on this show before. It's why they spent $2 million uh, in in legal fees for this, but they were praised for that today, And, and Tennessee is hopeful that they will be rewarded for that because you've got other institutions who have not cooperated with the NCAA that way. See the LSU basketball program, the Kansas basketball program that just won the the NCAA tournament has not been the most cooperative program with the NCAA. So Tennessee is banking on that, uh, helping them uh, with whatever the resolution here is to the notice of allegations.
1: My first reaction was like, if you're going to do this, do it all the way. Uh, 60 grand isn't, isn't worth the risk.
3: No, I mean, you know, if, if you would have said to someone, Hey, the, the university of Tennessee or, 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 university X's football program has 18 level one violations against them. I don't think anybody would have had the dollar figure at 60. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean that, that's what about three grand a violation, something like that, the uh, $3,500 or something. Um, this is also the same university that their basketball coach got a show calls because What turned out to be – started out as some uh, impermissible phone calls turned into a barbecue that shouldn't have happened and led to a guy being out of coaching for multiple years. So um, we've learned at the university – you know, covering the University of Tennessee, Paul, anything is possible. Uh, But I think that's the – you know, in terms of the hot take or the the, the, that kind of takeaway, I think everybody's going, really, $60,000, that's kind of it? Um, that, that's, you know, that's kind of a takeaway there uh, that, that a lot of fans have today.
2: Going back and just referencing like what was going on at the time, you know, they, they got rid of a lot of these coaches and those mentioned other than Pruitt, right? And then ultimately Pruitt's out too. Had they not done that and you think about, you know, had they not acted the way they did, this is a much harsher tone and impacts the program a great deal. So long, long story short with all of it, Brent, the money spent to cooperate fully with this investigation is going to be money well
3: spent. Well, and I mean, you also didn't pay $12 million for Jeremy Pruitt to go away. I mean, you, you fired him with calls and didn't pay him. Um, you didn't pay Brian Niedermeyer. You didn't pay Shelton Felton because you fired those guys with calls. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from a dollars and cents standpoint, they probably, uh, would have cost them probably 14 million or so and, and they spent a couple of million in legal fees and, um, and then, and there's your net, your net gain. Now the question is going to be, what else does the NCAA want Tennessee to do from a punishment standpoint? They self-imposed Tennessee did a dozen scholarship reduction last season. Is that enough? Does the NCAA want more? Josh Heupel said at SEC media day yesterday, they're not going to be at 85 this fall, which makes you wonder if they aren't self-imposing a few more this season as well. Tennessee's whole plan with this and, and Don Plowman's plan. And, of course, Danny White inherited into it. But her situa- her thing was, let's get it past us as quick as we can. Let's get it over and done with as quick as we can. And it's obviously taken a while, but they, they you know, want the NCAA to accept their punishment if they will. And we'll see. Tennessee has until October. They have 90 days from today to respond. They can ask for an expedited hearing earlier. They may do that. We'll see. Uh, but they have 90 days to respond to the notice of allegations. I don't know that Tennessee is going to dispute any of the 18 allegations uh, because they don't involve anybody currently at the University of Tennessee. And, again, I think Tennessee wants this past, the, past them as quick as they can get it past them moving forward.
2: And you want those scholarships back as, uh, that are self-imposed if if the NCAA is going to just accept what they've done and move forward, right?
3: Yeah, no question. And, again, I mean, th- there was a conscious decision of, hey, let, let's – let's not drag this out over three or four years from a scholarship reduction standpoint. Let's get it behind us as quick as we can. Uh, and and let's take a hit on that. If, if we have to, in, in year number one, Tennessee wasn't going to end up being at 85. I don't think in year one, unless they just signed a bunch of people and put a bunch of people on scholarship because they had so many guys, um, who transferred out of the program. And of course the NCAA did not have the policy that they have now where you can sign an unlimited amount of guys as long as you're under the 85 so it made sense for tennessee to go ahead and do some self-imposement now it hurt them a little bit in the transfer portal in january uh, in terms of their numbers that they had to balance there Uh, but outside of that i I think it was a decision uh, again move past okay josh heupel's here for the long haul he doesn't have to win it all in year one or year two we know we're building the easiest way to build is to get that cloud over us and away from us as fast as we can. And that's what they're trying to do. What did you learn most from from the Vols day yesterday on, on SEC
2: media's center stage?
3: I think the biggest thing is the, just the comfort that everybody has in the program right now. You know, a year ago, there was so much unknown. What is this offense? What is this defense? Uh, what is this hypo guy all about? He seems really nice and he seems really interested in us as players beyond just being players on the field. Uh, I think now that you they've been around each other for 18 months, there's there's a real comfort level uh, in kind of the direction and and the culture and and the expectations that's there. So I, I think that was the biggest takeaway. That may sound a little cheesy, but but I do think for a program that's had so much instability for so long, uh, the idea of some stability in back-to-back years it, is a big deal for for Tennessee. I mean, it really is, and uh, I think that there's there's you know. Stability, but there's also clear understanding of what that stability is and how it goes about its business every day.
1: Were you surprised to see Kentucky edge out uh, the Vols for for second place in the in the East in the media poll?
3: No, I mean you know, same media poll had somebody pick Vanderbilt to win it. Yeah. So um, you, you know, you take a little bit of that, you take a lot of that with a grain of salt. But it was close. Uh, I think that everybody you know says. Georgia is clearly the number one, and then the question is, what does it look like behind them? And uh, the media from from down there said it's either Tennessee or Kentucky. I think there was six points difference or something like that. So about as many people said Tennessee was going to finish second as they did Kentucky was going to finish second. Um, and, and I think it, I think Tennessee and Kentucky on paper are the 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 two best teams beyond below Georgia. Uh, we don't know what Florida's going to be. We'll see. Now, South Carolina is a bit of the media darling right now. Uh, they, they're they bringing in a bunch of new faces. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, Tennessee's supposed to beat Florida this year. They can't ever beat Florida, it seems like. Kentucky's supposed to beat Tennessee, and they have for several years. And they have a hard time beating Tennessee, it seems like. So we'll see how it shakes out with, with those two teams. Part of this is scheduling, too, Paul. When you look at it, I don't think Kentucky's travel's and Kentucky's road is 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 tough. They don't play Alabama. They don't play at LSU. And so I think when you look at the schedule, it's easier to see Kentucky with more conference with a you know one more conference win than uh, than it is to see Tennessee. I think for for a lot of people when they look at that schedule.
2: Hendon Hooker was very impressive, um, and I, mm-hmm. I, I left an interview with him yesterday, Brent, thinking, how did this guy not win that job last year? I, I still asked that same question, and, and he said uh, one thing he wants to do is be more you know, calm in the pocket and, and trust what he's reading, um, and, and maybe it took him working behind Joe Milton whenever he finally got the opportunity. He was still leading. We went into detail on that, but when he finally got the opportunity, he hit the ground running and didn't look back.
3: Yeah, you know, I think that Hendon was punished uh, by wearing a non-contact jersey, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe Milton r- Joe Milton ran around and looked pretty in a non-contact jersey. He had like a 70-yard touchdown run in the scrimmage. And so you're expecting him to do all these things with his legs, and, and that's not the type of player Joe Milton is. And, and Hendon Hooker didn't throw the ball down the field. He took the dump off really quick. I don't know that he did have as much patience in the pocket as he needed in, in the scrimmage settings. And you just didn't know kind of where his toughness was. And and you watched the Virginia Tech tape. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you could see some competitiveness there, but you just didn't know how, you know, if that was going to translate or die in a new system. And, um, you know, I think what you saw was once he got on the field and got his opportunity, um, his competitiveness showed through, his legs played a big factor. And then, you know, what would have and I don't think Joe Milton would have completed a bunch of balls, okay? Because I think he was still overthrowing everybody. But but you you had a couple things happen um, wh- when you when you look at this in that you have you, you made a real shift. Tennessee did after the Florida game, okay? You, you moved Velus Jones inside, okay, to the slot receiver position, which changed him dramatically, changed his production dramatically. Um, and, and then you move and look at um, moving Cedric Tillman as the number one guy, you changed kind of what you were doing offensively in the passing game. I don't think – I think Joe Milton showed you he was going to overthrow a bunch of people didn't have enough touch, so I don't think his numbers would have taken off the way Hendon Hooker's did. But you go back and look at that Florida game, Hendon Hooker and Tennessee offense, they weren't real good, right? They had a couple moments, but they weren't real good. Then they go to Missouri, and you're like, who the hell are these guys? Right, twenty-one points in the first quarter, and it's you know it's their boat racing a really bad Missouri team, and it clicked at that moment. It clicked for Hendon, it clicked for Cedric Tillman, it clicked for Valus Jones, and they were off and running. And so I, I think that helped Hendon Hooker uh, a good bit as well. Probably didn't have that in the preseason because they were trying to play guys in some different spots.
2: Final thing for you: the the, the Vols get a, a big commit today at wide receiver, one of their primary targets. Uh, was Nathan Leacock out of uh, North Carolina, and he's committed to Tennessee.
3: Yeah, he commits this afternoon, um, and that's a, that's an important one for Tennessee. Uh, a big-body guy is tall. Uh, he can run. I think speed's obviously of uh, utmost importance for Josh Heupel when he looks at the receiver position, and um, he, he was a priority for Tennessee. Even before Carnell Tate committed to Ohio State, this is not one of those deals where they went, Oh, we got to go hard after this guy because we didn't get Cardell taken. He was, Nathan Leacock was a priority. They were taking him six, eight months ago. As fast as he wanted to commit, they would take him. Kelsey Pope did a really good job in that transition uh, from Cody Burns leaving to um, Kelsey Pope w- recruiting Nathan Leacock. Nathan Leacock said, Hey, he recruits me like I'm his number one priority every day. And, and he's a big fan of Kelsey Pope. They have a great relationship, but that's a big get for Tennessee. To get a weapon to go with Nico, we've talked about that. He's got to have some weapons around him. you got Sham, the big offensive tackle, a couple of weeks ago. Now you get him a weapon uh, on the outside at the receiver spot, and, and we'll see You know what else they get for him weapon-wise, but that's a big gift for Tennessee. Brent Hubbs, VolQuest.com,
2: has everything covered at, uh, the, at the site. Uh, he and his great staff. Uh, Brent, thank you for the time. Busy day, I know, with the notice of allegations from the NCAA. Uh, well recapped there, and we'll go to the site for more.
3: All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. it. Y'all have a great weekend. Same thank to you. you, man.
2: There's Brent Hubbs. Uh, he and Austin Price join us weekly at this time as we dive in with all of the news notes and headlines from the University of Tennessee and SEC uh, galore uh, with all the news coming out this week and the biggest today for Knoxville is the notice of allegations, and he pointed it out there, Paul, um, based on the phrasing of that notice of allegations, Tennessee is viewed as a group that was they, – they cooperated. Uh, they were an athletic department that if they didn't take responsibility, they took responsibility for hiring the staff and the head coach and got rid of him, fired him with God. cause. And I can't help but think, like, how do you come down hard on a university that cooperates if you're trying to send an example to a, a university who doesn't, and you, you give them, you slap Tennessee with, with harsh penalties, more Just than what they've the already time self-imposed. the time fast. I agree. Yeah. Speed it up, if at all possible. Um, hang with us. Uh, 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer. And Old Smokey Moonshine. We've got Congressman Jim Jordan, who's about to join us. A lot in the world of college sports, college football, name image likeness being discussed on Capitol Hill, conference realignment, and much more. That's next on OutKick 360.
0: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie
2: Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Name, image, likeness, a huge discussion uh, across the college sports world and uh, recently on Capitol Hill. Conference realignment, uh, certainly a hot topic on Sports Talk Radio and much more. Uh, this time of year and really for the last 12 months or so since Texas and Oklahoma made the move to the SEC uh, and made that move official uh, by announcing they're coming as, as late as 2025, maybe earlier, and uh, now the Big Ten's involved. We have a Wisconsin Hall of Famer in the studio with us, United States Representative Jim Jordan, our guest. Congressman Jordan, great to have you in. Welcome Good to Nashville. You Good to be with you guys. Name members like this. We had uh, Marsha Blackburn on uh, about a month and a half mm-hmm. or so ago. And we Great. know she Didn't met it? with Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC uh, on, on Capitol Hill and discussed possible federal legislation. I don't know where that went. Yeah, uh, because right now, state by state, they're determining where the yeah. money's going and what the universities can or cannot do. Um, but this past week we, we had coverage in Atlanta where the SEC met with all the media members across the conference in the country. Commissioner Sankey came on with us and mentioned that he wants some form of guardrails in place. Can it come from the federal level?
4: Well we're notorious for screwing things up so I, I don't know if you want to start there. I, I do think there needs to be some guardrails but I don't know if anyone knows what those guardrails are yet. Um, so. Let's see. My, my concern is, uh, you know, I, I get that we, you need this. I understand why the, the the courts have done what they've done and why the decision was made. You got these 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 athletes who are providing the, the entertainment, yet they're they're doing all the work and providing the entertainment. They're not getting compensated for for this this huge business. So I get it, but my, my concern, frankly, is what does it mean to other sports? What does it mean mm-hmm. to the full athletic department when you got when you got USC and UCLA coming into Big Ten? I know. The universities I was I was a part of, we offered a ton of sports. Wisconsin offered I think twenty-some sports. I think Ohio State has the largest athletic department maybe in the country. I don't know that USC offers the same number of opportunities to student athletes on their campus. And is how does that all gonna work? And in you know, so I I'm, I'm nervous and frankly from just a I guess personal bias, what does it mean the sport of wrestling? Right now every school in the Big Ten has wrestling. USC and UCLA do not. So you have 14 schools, the Big Ten tournament's a huge the wrestling tournament's a huge thing. Um, but now you got two of the two of the schools who aren't going to have that. What does that mean to, to the sport that I care so much about? So I think there are a lot of questions. I don't know if you want Congress weighing in on it. Maybe we'll have to at some point. But we'll just. I, I think we need. To, I need to think. I think we need to know what. Maybe it's hearings to get some information, and we go from there.
2: It seems like the wild, wild west though, because uh, with the Supreme Court ruling last year, the NCAA took a step back in regulating anything because they're afraid of being sued and now it's state by state where there could be a state that doesn't allow what california or alabama or tennessee or ohio will allow for those states universities and private universities so now it's left up to the individual states instead of here are the rules and regs across the board and that's leading to more and more of well, the have and the have-nots in college sports.
4: Well, yeah, and the NCAA is supposed to be that sort of umbrella organization that will come. They they, they can't. I mean, another controversial subject. I, I don't. I, for me, it's not controversial. They can't even figure out if, if if you know, if just guys should participate in guys' sport and just girls should participate in girls' sports. For goodness' sake. So, um, you, you, that they're supposed to be doing this, but again, we'll have to. I think we'll have to see. And I'm looking for the ideas that are going to make this all work. And. You know there are all kinds of questions does the does the the, the left guard get paid you know whatever he gets 100,000 bucks and the quarterback he's protecting is getting 3 million and you know how does all that shake out and what what the difference between Ohio State and maybe Indiana that doesn't have the same amount of resources to 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 get to compensate these athletes so I think there're lots of questions uh, again, maybe it is hearings at Congress, and those can get all kinds of crazy things going. But we'll, we'll just have to see.
1: I don't know; that's a, a federal issue. But I'm curious, from a personal standpoint, what you think with this conference expansion? Where uh, we understand it, maybe from the football perspective, but for uh, the women's soccer team from yeah. from USC commuting to to Rutgers yeah. to to play a game doesn't seem like a, an, an efficient use of the. Student slash athletes time.
4: Yeah, no, I, 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 mean the Rutgers athletes already have to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean they go halfway across <laughs> the country. Now they're going to go the rest of the way. Yeah, I think it, that doesn't make sense. And of course, my generation, uh, you guys are a little younger, but my generation, you, 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 grew up. The Big Ten was the Midwest. There was the Big Big Eight back then. Big Twelve now. I mean the, the conferences were, were regional parts of the country. And and of course, the Rose Bowl was Ohio State playing USC. I mean that just what you now USC is in the same conference. It, it, it just doesn't doesn't seem to fit, but uh, that's where it's headed. Um, I don't know what the answers are in the, in the long run. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see.
2: Ohio State. I know you're an Ohio State guy. Um, uh, in regards to the, the the state that you represent, for sure, um, they they were taking the lead in the conversation about conference realignment recently. Um, Kevin Warren wasn't the first to come out and speak on it. The commissioner. It was the leadership at Ohio State. I took note of that because there there are presidents and athletic directors. That are stepping forward now that the NCAA is not doing so. Yeah. And Ohio State's one of them.
4: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great institution and you know, the athletic department there and the tradition there is 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 something uh, something special. I think the other thing the the, the the thing that the Big Ten offers is the Big Ten network. I mean it's been it's been tremendous and I think that's that's something that obviously all these other universities who are looking at the big 10 C. it's been great for fans i mean when i when our boys were competing it they, they wrestled for the university of wisconsin and i got to most of the matches but when i couldn't the big 10 network was great because you could watch them you know wherever they're they're wrestling lincoln nebraska and i'm in stuck in washington I, <laughs> I got to watch them so i think that's another thing that's driving this and and i think these these other universities that are interested in the big 10 conference see that see that as the, the revenue generator that it is
2: so you're a high school wrestling legend uh, the, I don't know about the, that. the record is uh, 154 and one. At least that's what the the, the bio says. Wh- who's the one?
4: The one was actually my his name was Rob Johnson. I can remember like yesterday, and it was uh, my senior year. So uh, you know, I was pretty close to reaching the goal, which was not to lose a Scholastic competition match. Uh, lost other matches outside of high school competition, and lost in college some, but um, but I didn't make it. So, it, but it was a good thing for me. I tell folks, I tell young people all the time, kids at my brother's wrestling camp. Tell him all the time, is the best thing ever happened to me. Even though I, just still, I still wish I have won, best thing that ever happened to me, helped prepare me to mentally and everything else he needed to do to, to be ready to compete at the collegiate level. Was it close? 7-4. It wasn't as close as it should have been. I had one opportunity in a match where I had him, I thought, and then reversed him, was on top, and he got out of bounds, and I knew then I wasn't going to beat him that night. He was just, he just better that night than, than I was. So. That
2: night? What, what was his record? Do you remember?
4: He, was, he wound up being state champ that year, and he was in a different class. So was, I was he unbeaten in, as well? His senior year, he was. Yeah, he was tough. He's darn tough. He brought. He was a couple-time All-American in college as well. So, um, Robbie Johnson.
1: We'll keep going. Do we know what became of him? <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know what what happened. But he's still in the Columbus area. The last I heard.
2: Congressman Jim Jordan in studio with us. So you go on to Wisconsin. Uh, you're in the the Athletic Hall of Fame, uh, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. How do you end up at Wisconsin? Is this solely based on the wrestling program?
4: Yeah. I mean, I went to college to wrestle. You're, That's it. You're supposed to get a degree, so I got one in economics. But uh, back in, I'm, I'm old, so back in the late 70s, early 80s, I graduated high school in 1982. Um, Big Ten was tough, but the toughest schools in the Big Ten were the University of Iowa and the University of Wisconsin. And they were the first Big Ten school to recruit me. I went up there and liked it. And they're, the top athlete in collegiate wrestling in the 70s was a guy from Ohio who went to the University of Wisconsin, Lee Kemp from the Cleveland area he recruited me and I thought that was the biggest thing in the world and you know I wound up uh, going there and had a great experience my wife went there Uh, we're from we grew up together she went there both our boys went there my brother went there my sister went there played in the band so it was uh we loved the Badgers
2: man I um I I respect the guys who were wrestlers in high school in my era I I couldn't do it they they Mm -hmm. walked around with a spit bottle trying to (laughs) cut weight and stuff in the middle of class like I it's a different life it, it you're you're either in or you're out, right? Yeah. You're, you're you're a lifer to the sport if you do it.
4: Well, I mean, I wanted to play middle linebacker, but you can see I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm five seven and a half on a good day, so I had to wrestle. My dad saw it, uh, and it was kind of a thing starting to happen at our country school. And my dad, and my uncle started the kids program at our school, and um, just got into it. and our whole family. We had uncles and cousins who wrestled, and it became sort of the thing we do. And my brother then went over and took over our high school program coached it for 20 years and we were, at Graham High School when he coached, we were state champs every year, 20 years in a row. And he, he, two years we with the top high school program in the country. So we're able to beat Blair Academy. I know Paul's from uh, from New Jersey. We're able to beat Blair in those, uh, those two years. So um, it's been great for our family.
2: Are you a UFC guy?
4: I like it. Uh, I tell you who really likes it, President Trump. He, yeah. And I've got him hooked on college well, wrestling some now, too, but he loves UFC. Yeah,
2: I do, too. I mean, I, I, and I respect those guys They're that get in there. Tough. But n- normally, if you have a wrestling background, you're all about what that turned into.
4: Yeah, it, it, it seems to help, but right now the striking is just such. so, you know, it used to be when they first come out, a bunch of wrestlers seem to dominate. They still do well, obviously, yeah. but uh, the guys that can box do well uh, also.
2: Bengals or Browns guy?
4: I grew up in the 70s. I hate to say this being from Ohio, but I love the Steelers because they were, you know, when you're a kid, wow. you, you, when you're when you're a kid, you like the winners. And uh, <laughs> I love Jack Lambert was my favorite. He was an Ohio guy playing playing linebacker, middle linebacker for the Steelers. So I love Jack. But Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, I can name them all. Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Mean Joe Green. I can name all of them. Um, but now it's, I, I like uh, the the Bengals with Joe Burrows You got to like him now, for goodness' sake.
2: Hey, so after you after you uh, you gave mention to Portnoy and Barstool <laughs> at the recent <laughs> hearing, did they they reach out to? you going on with those guys anytime soon? No,
4: uh, I don't think so. Now Russell, our our media guy, is big sports guy, was you know big Georgia guy. Uh, so uh, it was it was funny. Of course, Portnoy was all over the, the the social media after that. But it was yeah, I thought a pretty basic question, particularly when you see this attack on our First Amendment liberties happen anyway. Um, so I just raised that with uh, with the commissioner, and then uh, the Del Rio question I thought was as, just as important, but it didn't get quite the well, quite we, the focus. We
2: ch- we had a chat about the the Goodell There's question. No way he didn't know. He knew exactly. They auctioned off the chair or whatever, and and Portnoy won the the auction for yeah. charity, <laughs> and <laughs> they he wouldn't allow him. that to go through. Yeah. He won it for like two hundred fifty grand, so he yeah. absolutely knew.
4: Yeah, I probably should have pushed him a little more and followed up, but it's tough to do. On Zoom, the, the, exactly. The Democrats have got this this remote hearing baloney, and you can't. When you're going to cross examine a witness, you need the witness in front of you to to do it. It's just just harder to do. Plus, I did want to ask about what what the Redskins or the whatever the, the Guardians, were, not the Guardians, what the were the commanders. commanders. Yeah, the Guardians are the Indians. Um, what what the Redskins were doing with this with this fine on Jack Del Rio as well. So uh, is
2: anything happening in regards to uh, that hearing moving forward uh, for the? So that he's not, he's not, Snyder's not showing?
4: Yeah, I mean, he's out of the country. He was out of the country at that time. He was, I think he's in France, some, something, yeah. yeah, then. But um, there's not been really any follow-up that i that any, any other hearing since then.
2: What are you, what brings you to Nashville?
4: We're here to visit with the music industry, and we come to Nashville a lot. We got a lot of, I mean, frankly, a lot of great supporters, conservative supporters here in this, this great town. And as you guys know, this town is a happening place. I mean, it is just. Have you been growing. out here
2: in this area? Oh, we've right been here. all
4: over. It's been amazing. Plus, we got we're going to the Grand Old Opera tonight, Poly night. We've there never, you go. we've never been there, so we're really looking forward to uh, that. But we got some great friends in this town and great supporters of of conservatives in the Congress.
2: Well, uh, the music industry is hopping. You guys uh, have some say over that uh, line of work as well, uh, for sure. Yep. Uh, thank you for the visit, and the perspective. If if we move forward on nil and they're wanting. The federal legislation here—we don't snap our fingers with that, right? This takes a while.
4: No, it—you ha- got to do this right. I mean, this is—I mean, obviously we know, but we're in the midst of a huge change in, in collegiate athletics and amateur athletics. Um, I think you got to do this right. It probably happen in the, could happen in the Education and Labor Committee, Energy and Commerce Committee, possibly as well, and then because of the constitutional issues and maybe. Um, I guess maybe potentially even some, some other issues that it could be some in our, in our committee as well, the, the Judiciary Committee.
2: Man, and to- total hypothetical. You think it's more likely that we could see a group of states that make up a conference come together in some type of agreement for legislation?
4: I don't know. I don't know because you're going to get, uh, let's say you're going to get Indiana and Cal- let's say USC and UCLA are, uh, are in the Big Ten. You're going to Indiana and California degree. I mean, California is way different than the rest of the country. And, and, and I think yeah, in, I in mean, so it, many negative ways, frankly, because the the left wing policies there. So I don't know if that's going to fly. Um, again, I guess maybe that underscores why, why it may have to be some some activity from the federal government.
2: I, I think eventually that we will see some type of regulation because I think the players what, what I think is coming are promises with this, no one in particular in mind, but the promises that are being made at the high school level when you go may not actually happen once you show up. I'm not blaming any university here. I'm I'm thinking just in big picture. And if I'm a player, I want some regulation because it's gonna guarantee certain things if I agree to it. So I think the players will also be asking for it as much as the universities or the conferences will. And at some point, there has to be a middle ground where people are willing to go to bat and come come together bipartisan yeah and and figure out a solution for where we're headed with it
4: yeah you think there's gonna there's gonna have to be something because just think of the, the amount of money involved too it's like yes I, I i've heard what we had a wrestler who was a national champ for uh transferred transfer to michigan michigan thought they were going to be able, be able to be penn state and this year's they beat him in the big ten didn't beat him in the national tournament but the the amount of money he got as as a, as a wrestler was unbelievable. Now imagine the quarterback, what they're, what they're getting. So it's like the 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 quantities we're talking about are so big that we're gonna have to figure this out. But um, let's hope it's let's hope it sooner rather than later.
2: Congressman Jim Jordan has been our guest here in the Sixth and Peabody studios. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. We appreciate the appreciate visit. your good work. Enjoy
1: the rest of your time in Nashville. Right. Take care.
2: We get you to the weekend by uh, previewing what's on tap this weekend. That's next on Now Kick 360. been a fun week, Outkick 360, wrapping up the week here across the Outkick network. Um, The NFL has confirmed, Paul, that, uh, and I know this goes back from a previous discussion where we debated this and we discussed it, not debated, Uh, they are going to put games on their app. They're going to offer that streaming service uh, for for their app. A full streaming service
1: or what? I, I, I mean, I, my understanding at the beginning was they're going to put games on their app, the same game that you could watch on your, in your local market on a Sunday afternoon, which to me is not some big get.
2: Well, the streaming service within the app, to me, tells us they're leaning, they're going to show games there. I, don't,
1: yeah, well, my, I get that, but my question is which yeah. games? If it's the same exact oh. thing I can watch at home, that's not much of a get for me. Well, unless All that does is give me a little mobility. And I'm not so sure I can't watch the CBS game at home on my phone through my cable operator.
2: Right. But I, I think what they're saying, they're, they're viewing it as they are, they're not just leaning into streaming. They're diving headfirst into the media rights deals with them. Like Amazon with Thursday Night Football, billion dollars. Um, is what they're going to be paying uh, with Amazon Prime. Um, Peacock and ESPN Plus are trying are are, are fighting for the um, NFL Sunday Ticket. You have uh, Paramount Plus that can get involved, and they're looking at going. Well, uh, we can charge the same thing, and we can show our product there. I don't know how they negotiate the.
1: Well, I don't know how it's going to be five dollars a, you've a month. You've got an Amazon deal already. So Amazon going to say, sure, you go ahead and show it on your $5 a month thing. That would be a screw to Amazon unless you have a a loophole for it in the Amazon deal already.
2: So the the league's chief media and business operator, uh, Brian Rolap, confirmed in a column with Sports Illustrated, here's his quote, NFL Plus, which is their app, NFL Plus will provide fans access to live local and national NFL games on mobile devices. Live out-of-market preseason games across all devices. Throw that away. And I don't give a damn local local about a preseason. local and game. national audio for every game. So, so, so this, go back to the
1: TV stuff this, and leave out but the preseason.
2: This, this is when I hear that they also say they're going to have NFL Network and shows on demand. All
1: right, but live local
2: NFL films archives, live local and national NFL games on mobile devices. All
1: right, so I've got all that already. Yep,
2: yeah, but. They're telling you you can get it for 5 bucks a month instead of whatever we're paying for NFL Sunday ticket.
1: Yeah, but I, I've got it without NFL Sunday ticket. Live local, that means the games that you have already in your market on your TV. So all this is doing is giving you mobility if but, you're but leaving they, your house during right, the local window. but they're windows. also
2: giving you national NFL games on mobile devices. So
1: Well, the national NFL games are Sunday night football, right. which you've already got. Monday night football, which you've already got. I can't imagine Amazon's giving it to them, but maybe that. But all games that you've already got. It's not giving you anything you don't already have. Well,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they're going so to So why create, am I paying
1: 5 bucks? Well, a month. Th-
2: they're is they're course. going to give you a reason to pay 5 bucks a month. You know? I'm not hearing it there. I mean, you're paying how much a month for Netflix, and when, where's their new content coming out for what you want to watch?
1: Well, they're losing a lot of subscribers because they're not producing enough well, new content. What, but this doesn't have any new content that well, I want. I've got NFL Network already. Well, you, you know, I, I don't watch NFL. I, films. I view
2: things years in advance on what they're setting up because the rich become wealthy, and the wealthy stay wealthy off of projecting where things are going. Well, when it gets and there, I
1: might buy it. But it's not there at the but beginning.
2: But you can't. But I'm, I'm looking at this going. Are, what, what happens to DirecTV? I'm a DirecTV subscriber. So I view this as uh, the, the live sports element, which is, I mean, they're they're out of the, the business of NFL Sunday ticket. You had to have DirecTV to get it. Um, now, Red Zone's a different thing. They had a special Red Zone for different providers, what like Comcast, right, Comcast, Xfinity, uh, and, and DirecTV. But the NFL Sunday ticket was through DirecTV only. Now that's up for bid, and that's a big win for the fans. Because you don't have to go and pay, uh, I mean, I don't know what I'm, we're probably paying, we're paying over $200 a month for the TV. So, you know, Claire likes to DVR shows and, but the with that, I have access to the games if I want them now, even right. though in the past I wasn't wanting them. By the them, way, I think, I think you I can have. make a
1: phone call and get that for free this year. I've got some friends who oh, really? talk to TV about leaving and they said, oh, we'll give you Sunday oh, ticket for free there we go. There, there to the masses year.
2: is uh, Paul uh, granting you access. Uh,
1: I'd make the phone call.
2: They're going to have a waiting list the same way Springsteen does right now uh, with the phone call you just uh, recommended. The, but the multicast stuff is where I think they can go with it. Um, that's Give me
1: multicast. That would but intrigue me.
2: They can provide their own watch-along, for lack of a way to put this. Um, I mean, they—they they, think about the guys they employ, uh, Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders. I'm, you, you know, the guys that they have access to, where you can throw an exclusive thing up on NFL Plus. I'm not saying I'm—I'm I'm doing this, but you're asking for exclusive content. I think that's kind of the route you can go, because you're all—they're alre- already allowing the other networks to do it. The networks are already building other ways for you to watch their product through the ManningCast on ESPN uh nickelodeon um they they're doing their own broadcast for what two or three games a year now including one playoff game um you've got the analytics game the the analytics uh, between the lines cast that they offer on like espn news or whatever it is so there's so many different options now and the nfl is just saying hey if we can get 60,000 people to give us five dollars a month why not Launch an app and get five dollars a month. Well, they'll do better than that. Some people will just
1: buy it because it's an NFL thing, you know, sight unseen, because they're the NFL, and that's how powerful they are. Some other more discerning people like you and I will wait until they proof of concept is there with with newness, and and that's what I'll wait for until you're showing me something on there that I I, am not already paying for somewhere else. I'm not double dipping on it
2: um coming up on monday chad's going to be back with us well we teased earlier in the in the week we received video of him on horseback and uh, it makes me laugh just uh, i I showed you did i show you the grainy video you
1: didn't you told me about um i feel like i've seen it in your word pictures
2: yeah that word picture briefly it looks like christ riding the donkey and with the 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 leaves the the palm sunday it looks like because chad's um, legs are nearly dragging the ground because the horse looks so small although it was too large to be a pony so I'm interested to find out uh, what, what horse this was uh, and uh, Chad's reaction to it I heard the allergies were not it kind to him it was a poe horse a yeah, poe horse, yes a horse, A Honey. Um, yeah, so we, <laughs> a honey. we will uh, chat with Chad about that. He's back with us on Monday. Also, Riddle from the WWE is on the show. SummerSlam is in town next week at Nissan Stadium here in Nashville. So we'll have some guests there. We will also chat with Cole Kubelik uh, and recap all things SEC. We'll tie a bow around what was the week of coverage. Our crew did a great job. Trey Wallace and Glenn Gilbo have you covered. Thanks to Davey Hudson for his great work. The entire crew. Rejoin us on Monday for Outkick 360.
1: Read the sign, don't block the box, and kindly lock your locks.